slash and cast. System. Welcome, <laughs> fiends, to Handle with Scare, presented by the Slashing Cast Podcast Network. Of course, our show focuses on scary movies and the phobias that they emphasize. I'm your host, Emily Draka, with me tonight, as always, to uh, wrap up Plutophobia, a.k.a. the fear of wealth, are my co-hosts, Holly Hooch and John. Hi, Guys, how are you hi, doing everyone. tonight? Good, good. <laughs> Weird. See, this time we're talking because then we pop up on the screen because otherwise... If we let you just do the talking when you're introducing us, they don't get to see us. Not that that's a big old treat, but you know, <laughs> you get to wave. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, they don't see the wave. Uh, <laughs> they don't see the wave. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 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 a important detail that is otherwise missed uh, any other day of the week. So, uh, so yeah, we're here to wrap up our deep dive of plutophobia uh, with when it's. Definitely more on the nose and just directed than all the others in The Mask of the Red Death. But, you know, before we dive into uh, the Roger Corman flick, just a couple of general reminders. I have been streaming on Stream Lounge, and uh, we got 61 Days of Halloween starting tomorrow. Uh, so I will be deep diving into 1980s horror movies for the next 61 days. Uh, so we'll be doing 80s movies daily. Uh, over on my channel, over on that front. Uh, you, so you can find like my September lineup still uh, penciling in October at this point in time. But, uh, you know, very, very easy to fill out 61 days with just the amount of 80s movies in like the stream catalog on, especially on Tubi. Like I was blown away by just the sheer volume uh, that they had. Uh, but anyways, I know we had uh, just watched uh, you know, some new movies ourselves. So, John, I know you were mentioning one pre-show, so why don't you, why don't you talk about uh, your latest Oh, flight? well, I was saying how I saw... There was a couple of things that I've seen recently that were pretty cool. One was horror in the high desert, but I, I it, with a big caveat that the first couple of acts of this movie are not that great, but the third <laughs> act is actually really good and well, kind of well done. It's two-thirds of the movie sucks, yeah. is what he's saying. <laughs> but I'm a fan of the found footage genre, so I kind of liked it. It's kind of a found footage. It's more like a fake documentary, basically, is mm -hmm. what it is. And it kind of felt, it actually felt surprisingly realistic because a lot of more modern documentaries feel more kind of fake. <laughs> and so it felt like they actually get ambiance to yeah, it. Nice. Accurate. But I think most of it's filmed on a phone, but it's actually pretty well done. It did have an interesting little kind of nerdy inconsistency. I noted, but the, uh, it, they clearly, you know, when you film on a phone and you zoom in and out and it steps, it like goes, da, 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 it doesn't smoothly zoom in and out. Sure. That's how they it was done in the movie. But okay. then there's a kind of scene of horror where the 
character gets his hand cut off and uh, he's still holding the camera, but it's not a phone, it's a regular video camera. Oh, uh, like, wait, wait a minute. Regular video camera. <laughs> don't do that. And Shut it down. <laughs> so I did kind of nerd out on that a little bit. Was he holding the camera while holding the hand that was holding the camera? No, it was just so his hand holding that the camera. That would have been cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, and it's like a kind of uh, cabin in the middle of nowhere kind of horror thing. Always a good, always a good way to start. But it, it's like also a COVID movie, so nobody ever appears in the same scene oh, together. I Everybody see. is oh. in, in their own shots for the whole movie <laughs> too, which is funny. But as a documentary, I guess that kind of works. Makes it hard for those sex scenes, though, huh? Mm-hmm. And then, really quickly, I wanted to <laughs> also point out something I saw that was genuinely really great was uh, they've released a new version of the first Evil Dead movie uh, in its original 4x3 format, the square format, because it was filmed on 16mm film, which is not you know normally widescreen. It's got the TV shape. And what I didn't know, I don't remember if I ever saw Evil Dead in this form, even back in the old days of regular TV, I don't know if they released it in this or widescreen, but I know like DVDs and Blu-rays have all been widescreen and watching it in its original square format is noticeably better because it's so obvious that all the shots were created and framed for that and not for widescreen. And so all of a sudden, some of the shots that felt weird and sort of, like oh this is an am- this is an old kind of amateur sure. film like suddenly it's like oh no this it's actually is filmed really well and framed really well it's just that they kind of changed it but so That's that nice. was like a kind of a cool thing to see I recommend people check that out if I don't know if you if you've seen that T or yeah no I'm not very good it's it was actually noticeably better all right things to note. Mm. Awesome. Well, I will say I did watch a brand new release yesterday uh, on Twisted Tuesday, uh, which was one of the new Screambox offerings. Now, I will preface this by saying that uh, they were having technical difficulties on Screambox on, you know, this movie's launch date where uh, it just wasn't showing up at all on the app. I actually had to watch it through uh, the Prime Video uh, trial for Screambox. Uh, but the problem was, when they uploaded the movie, they didn't have the subtitles attached to said movie. Uh, and this is an Argentina uh, flick, uh, so it's all in it's all in Spanish. And uh, yeah, I ended up watching a movie in Spanish with no subtitles. Say. And if you're wondering, well, how did that work out? Well, let me tell you about this movie, because uh, thankfully, the gore and uh, everything else in the movie... More than made up for it. So the movie is Pussy Cake. And it follows this female rock band. Uh, and it definitely has a lot of Evil Dead elements to it. Uh, but this is a Splatterfest type movie. It's all practical effects. There's also a lot of vomit involved in this movie. So if you are if you are a fan of like the family guy vomit running gag of them like really projectile vomiting for long periods of time. 
And if you want to mix that into a zombie movie uh, with tons of gore, this is definitely one for checking out. But like, the, just the the amount of liquids in this movie, whether blood or you know otherwise, was astronomical, <laughs> and I was not ready. Uh, but it was definitely one of the most unapologetic movies I've seen in quite some time. So it's definitely worth checking out, and hopefully Screenbox will, you know, fix their shit on that end. But I have to say, like, you know, I I checked out that streaming service a long time ago. That was before, like, Bloody Disgusting uh, acquired them. And really nothing has changed on the app side. Like, the, the UI design of that streaming service is so clunky, and it hasn't really changed since it came out. So it's, like, it's very frustrating from a user perspective. And because um, that was, like, my first time, like, really diving into it and, like, actually subscribing. So it wasn't the best, like, first impression. But the movie itself definitely lived up to uh, a lot of, like, the headlines that I was seeing you know, on Bloody Disgusting. So at, at least the movie delivered, regardless of, like, the overall viewing experience and not having the subtitles attached to the film itself at the Was time. it, like, Monty Python and the Meaning of Life level vomiting, like, Mr. Creosote? You remember that one? <laughs> it's wafer thin. <laughs> wafer thin mint. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, it was enough to feel like an Oh, my God, that's a lot of vomit. Like, like yeah, like, a lot, like a lot, a lot. <laughs> So were you able to, they say if a movie is made well that you should be able to understand what's happening even with no sound. Ooh, I like that. So t- were you able to follow the story and understand what was happening without the understanding the the Um to to a degree there was this weird thing and I'll have to go back to rewatch it. Uh but there was like some sort of like Stargate type <laughs> okay. device that was involved with this, and I don't, I don't, I don't really understand that aspect of it. It was like a father and son uh, who are working on this project, so I, I failed to understand how that tied into the actual story, and if that was the cause of all the projectile vomiting zombies or whatever. But I mean, either way, if you're looking for gore gags and you know just something to to really gross you out, it's definitely one to seek out. What was it called again? It's a uh, pussy cake. That's the name of the band. <laughs> I gotta see. I gotta watch that. Who doesn't look those two things? <laughs> That's like. Uh, so yeah, that was my day yesterday. Yeah, I definitely want to see that. <laughs> I still need to see. Um, I it was playing. I need to see that vampire hunting show too with what's his name. Do you know, uh, it's a new TV show, and it's kind of also a little bit Evil Dead-esque, and it's a vampire hunting show. Vampire and hunting? And I think one of the, it's like one of the Wayans brothers or something is in it. But it was on, mm-hmm. we were at uh, a bar, and it was on in the background, and I hadn't watched it yet. And it was on in the background, and I was like, oh, wow, this looks really good. It was sort of on my list to watch. But, Shoot, I don't know which one you're talking about. But I keep forgetting to watch it. I can't remember what it's called. It's not what we do in the shadows, right? No, no. Okay. This is like it no. feels like looking at it on TV, it looked a lot like the Evil Dead TV show. That sounds fun. Um, but it, And it's I think one of the weigh-ins or the guy, who's the guy that was in Django Unchained? I think Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx maybe might be the star of mm-hmm. it. Okay. Um, if I'm remembering right, 
But yeah. it looks really good, though. But I got I haven't watched it, but that's it. Well, I'm excited. That yeah. sounds like right up my alley. <laughs> but it had that crazy quality, too. But, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, outside of that, I also uh, got caught up on some recent theatrical releases. Uh, so I went out and saw Bullet Train, which was yeah. fantastic. Honestly, one of the best, one of the best like third acts in cinema, really? like entertainment wise, in quite some time. Nice. Yeah. Um, I also watched Orphan uh, oh, First yeah, Kill, yeah. which was a prequel to to Orphan. That's uh, streaming on Paramount Plus, so we're you know playing in theaters. Uh, that was pretty good. I was very happy. Oh, sorry. Is it the same woman playing the role same of the? Same? It is okay. Yep. I was wondering if. I wonder she if they're using like CGI turn. to make her look younger. Or da- well, I, she just naturally, I think. Well, that only takes you so far, I think. Yeah, yeah. They I mean, probably... I think she definitely is like probably very young looking, mm-hmm. but then they probably have to like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, give it a little, little CGI, give, yeah. give it a little boost. But yeah, same, same actress, and they they dove into why like the uh, the oil paintings were so important to like oh, her character cool. base in Ooh. Orphan, which was pretty cool. Um, trying to think what else. Oh, I also saw Bodies, 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 the eight like more slasher. Um, I I thought it was. Here's the thing: I have to compare it to X because that was like their other recent A twenty four slasher. Comparison wise, I enjoyed X a lot more. Uh, but what was interesting about Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is it felt like more, like, I would say it's more modern in regards to the approach because, I mean, they're basically playing a, among us in real life, except there's a serial killer, you know, knocking people out one at a time. Uh, but it was funny that uh, podcasting actually uh, comes into play for, like, one of the characters, which I thought was very intriguing and very nice. fitting. I finally watched Nope. I mm. hadn't seen it because it kept getting sold out in the one theater I wanted to see it in. That really fancy ass theater that costs a bunch of money to eat at, and I do. Um, <laughs> did you get food there? Yes, I did. <laughs> well, this time. Did, did you, did you, no, you spend $120 again? Because I didn't go in <laughs> drunk already. Uh, I was only tipsy. And so oh, okay. we just got like the pretzels and the never ending popcorn, which you never get seconds on that, anyways. It's so huge. They know. They know. Yeah. And then we also ended up getting mozzarella sticks and then, of course, drinks, and it was great. But uh, I was really happy to see Nope in the theater because it's. I was telling John that it's very big scope movie, right? So it's. I think mm-hmm. you're gonna get your your most enjoyment out of it by watching it on a big screen. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was amazing. It was it was, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It rains blood on a house. I'll just say nice. that it's yep. pretty rad. Nice. It's metal. It's pretty metal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely one of the more striking scenes uh, in in that movie for sure. All right, well, should we should we so dive well, it's into been Red Death? Chit chat. Let's get. <laughs> yeah, now now that we've uh, caught you up on our weeks tonight, we're here to wrap up Plutophobia with the Mask of the Red Death, uh, which of course is directed by Roger Corman, uh, stars Vincent Price. Uh, this was released in 1964, and this is, of course, based on the 1842 short story of the same name by Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, now, I know there's been a number of different, uh, you know, iterations of this. Uh, this is probably the more well-known one, obviously, because of, you know, Vincent Price's involvement. Uh, but also, you know, has a familiar face uh, in, you know, Hazel Court of... Uh, 
you know, we we recently reviewed another movie that she was in. Uh, and, you know, she plays uh, one of the mistresses who, uh, you know, kind of devotes herself to Satan at one point in the movie. <laughs> uh, you also have uh, Jane Asher, who plays Francesca, who is basically one of the peasants. Uh, but, you know, what what I really enjoy about this movie is how the tarot cards come into play. And I, I really enjoy the, the credit sequence because as they're adding in more tarot cards... Like the the room for all of the text for the credits ends up shrinking, and they just use whatever space is open mm. to like fill in, you know, with, with the text, which I thought was a a really unique way of actually you know doing that. Uh, but you know, for the most part, this one's definitely more you know straightforward than some of the other movies that we were doing. But all in all, like I have been really pleased with uh, you know just the the overall picks that we had throughout. Yeah, this is a really good movie. Month. I really. In- I- I enjoy almost all of the movies you watch. There's only been like one or two movies that I was like, no, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the children. I hated it. Um, but I, I was reading, I was reading up on, well, I was really into Edgar Allan Poe when I was like in junior high, you know, and I haven't reread any of those stories mm-hmm. since then. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't remember this particular story. We you know, finished watching the movie and I was like, well, I wonder how close to, the story it was and so i was just reading up on the synopsis i didn't have time to read the short story but i think they really added all the devil stuff didn't they all the same yeah. worshiping yeah i wanted to actually check that specifically so i looked at the story and i was like oh this is actually super short mm-hmm. it's it's not it's like it was all it was on a web page so it scrolled but i think if you printed it out it would probably be like two or three pages yeah and they made a movie out of it and yeah so He's not specifically a Satan worshiper. Satan yeah. worshiper He's which, just an asshole. And I was kind of imp- that was something I was kind of impressed with with the movie <laughs> that they just literally went there and just made it yeah. a straight up Satanist. They're like, we gotta spice this shit up. <laughs> I I feel like that's rare now. It's back in the day, it was more common mm-hmm. for sure, but now it's like it's almost sort of passe, and uh, yeah, it, now it needs to be something more like. Usually it's kind of Cthulhu based, yeah, like Lovecraftian, mm-hmm. Eldritch. Uh, if if they're going to go that route, or some mm-hmm. kind of, or maybe some kind of like a pagan god or something like that, quote yeah, unquote, pagan. something Nordic and shit. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, but he's just a straight up Satanist. He's <laughs> worship Satan. Well, <laughs> my favorite part though was that. Uh, so I would, uh, you know, I was I was. I'm, I, I don't want to get everything jumbled up, but this was so fun. So his wife, who of course he cheats on all the time, and of course yeah, he's the prince. Although that's the other thing: why is he not the king? Is his dad really old in one of those rooms? I don't know. But anyways, his Prince Prospero. His dad is Satan. But <laughs> <laughs> when his wife decides to commit her her soul to Satan, and then she goes through that like weird like getting visited by a bunch of weird high priests from different cultures. Like, what the fuck was that? (laughs) But, okay, maybe maybe we save that for a little later. (laughs) Yeah, when we get there. When we get there. there, Because that was nutballs, man. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, really fun, but still nuts. And so, uh, but anyhow, going back to the whole devil worship thing, like, I certainly enjoyed it, but it did come out of left field. Oh, it's always fun to see uh, Vincent Price hail Satan, though. Mm Mm-hmm. This is, uh... Oh, by the way, this is a, what, 
1964 that this came out. Yeah. So just to put it in context in terms of what other movies might be really popular in the time and, you know, those beach blanket Babylon stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, and this is still basically, like, this 1964, for people... Dr. Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove. And for people who don't necessarily know their horror history, the 70s is where things start to get really dark with, Mm. like blood and gore and things like that. Right. Not a lot of blood in movies at this point. Right. It's all like kind of Dracula kind of Mm -hmm. like seducing people or or Mm -hmm. coming after people like this. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You you don't see a lot of blood splatter or blood, which there's a ton of in this movie. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And also, uh, this movie comes out at a point even a bit before and I did do a little bit of looking into the background of this movie that this movie would actually kind of comes out and is influential on the Italian filmmakers like Mario Ooh. Bava and, um, you well, know, Suspiria, yeah. Yeah, which you can really see. Like when I read that, it really made sense because that when you look at the visuals of how this movie looks um, and just the colors and everything, it really is a lot like... They didn't play up the uh, the rooms too, too much. And so in the movie, uh, I don't know if... Do we want to go... Do we want to go, like, some, some uh, act by act? We can jump yeah, we around. Can, we can jump so around. That's a big fine. feature that a big feature in the story that was only sort of lightly touched on in the... I'm sorry, a big feature in the story that was only lightly touched on in the movie were the different colored rooms, right? So we've got, like, blue, white, yellow, mm-hmm. black. I think there's a violet in there as well. And so they were supposed to go from east to west, representing uh, a life cycle, starting with blue at birth and ending with black at death. And uh, that that was supposed to be something that was that, that a lot of the different uh, attendees at the party were, were noting. Like, it was supposed to mm-hmm. be, like, you know, the last room, the black room uh, has a... Uh, you know, grandfather clock or some sort of big chiming clock in there. That's really basically reminding everybody that you can dance all you want, but you know, pretty mm-hmm. soon you're going to have to die. So um, I kind of wish that they would have played those up a little bit more. I mean, they did sort of, you know, they they uh, uh, several scenes took place in those rooms, but it was only like amongst a couple of people rather than mm-hmm. like actually having them having the rooms be being more front and center. And it wasn't necessarily clear what those rooms were. No, I had to read it. Somebody had to tell me. Except for the black room, which was kind of obvious. That was, yeah, that one's right on the nose for sure. (laughs) Um, But it was still cool. The colors were awesome. And the fact, I love that. That, you know, I'm a big fan of kind of like visual overload Mm -hmm. type of movies. Um, And Suspiria and... uh, Inferno are a couple of favorites of mine, and uh, you know I really love that look and that big thick blood mm-hmm. yeah. and just like bright primary colors and uh, so yeah, the rooms looked really great and the black room looked great uh, with the red window and everybody in it was sort of shine with a red light in there. That's fun. I really want to do that to my home at some point. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you see. Right? It's like the movie establishes right in the beginning that Prince Prospero is an asshole and that uh, it's like so blatant kind of just hitting. There's oh no my God. Like, kind of character. Like, yeah. 
character development. It's just kind of like he's just straight up evil. There's he's, nothing else to Vincent it. Vincent Price is so fucking funny in this. Like he does that thing. He does it all over the the movie where he snaps at somebody. <laughs> where like you know at the you know one of the early scenes uh, after the lady has been you know contam- contracted or contaminated by the Red Death, and he's in the village and he's that's when he picks up Francesca and other dude, <laughs> and uh, the other dude's like. Oh, we're just gonna get the scraps off your table like we're dogs, and he's like, exactly. Like, he does this thing where he snaps at him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was so funny, and he does that throughout the entire fucking movie. And I was like, yes, thank you, Vincent Price. I love you. He's just pure evil, and I, and uh, I like his sort of uh, the guy who sort of is always kissing his butt um, with the. Uh, Gray hair. Yeah, true. What's his I name? Recognize. The asshole. Yeah, but he's like the other big shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I recognize him mostly from uh, Clockwork Orange. He's the writer in oh, Clockwork Orange. That's right. His wife, wife gets, gets attacked. Gets attacked yeah. and that whole. And that's he, right. And I, I, he's great in everything. He has such a weird, creepy voice, and he's he's in a, one of those actors that's in tons of movies. And uh, his fate in this movie was actually very surprising. I was like, no fucking way they did that. Yeah, yeah. Neat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was something I noticed about this movie, too, is, like, it's a good movie. I, I liked it a lot, but it's sort of, it's slightly kind of aimless. Like, it doesn't a have a slow. clear mm-hmm. plot or, like, a through kind of story. It, it sort of almost has, like, these sort of different things that are going on as, you know, we have the peasant girl who he's sort of bringing in presumably to be his next wife and then and her brother and father uh-huh. and then we have there's like that story and then there's the story of the guy um who I was talking about with the gray hair who wants to be more powerful and the, mm-hmm. how he slaps the the little, the girl, t- the the little tiny girl, dancer tiny who they literally call tiny dancer I know. <laughs> and I was like, every time they call their tiny oh, dancer, I was like, that was a good side story with her and her, and her gentleman. <laughs> and that was kind of its own little plot in the movie taking place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the, and, but which to talk about that for a second, they, so they have an adult little person I think is the right. correct term yes, playing so. the guy I forget right. what his name is who's he's basically like the jester of the right. castle he was great by the way yeah and he's really cool like, he's a good actor yeah he was, yeah mm-hmm. and, uh, and the, but then they had an, a little girl play with a voiceover of a with grown a voiceover woman. of yeah. a grown adult and she was supposed to be an adult right like she was yeah. a little person as well but they had a little girl play her and I swear, during the romantic scene between them, yeah, I was like, no. There was like three, yeah, three or four points where it looked like he was going to go in for a kiss, and I was like, no, 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 no. And then he sort of does this thing where he like ducks his head down and sort of puts his head into it. Yeah, and it's like, okay, all right. okay, okay, okay. It's like, like, oh my god, don't kiss her, don't kiss her. Oh, and the crazy part was that so this this little girl like. She was surprisingly precocious in her dance moves and in her acting. Well, you know, the the only time she's really acting is where they're having that conversation and he's telling her, hey, we're going to get out tonight. And that's when you hear the voiceover. But the dance moves, I was like, holy shit. Like, she had so much control. Like, Mm -hmm. a very, very trained dancer. I I was really impressed. 
I'm guessing that's why they cast her. I always, she, yeah, I was, yeah. As, as soon as I see kids, you know, dancing, I'm always like, assume it's gonna be a mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was clearly a real, yeah, uh, really, like ballet dancer, uh, yeah, trained dancer. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, unlike everyone unlike else, everyone, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in a way, mm -hmm. but it's like. A, not to, you know, we're jumping around for this review, yeah. but in the end, there's like the whole kind of interpretive dance scene at the end. Oh, that was so When everyone fun. dies at the end, where when it's they, like this weird psychedelic. They get like, you know, hypnotized by the Red Death, and then mm -hmm. they, as, they, as they start contracting it, they start going into interpretive dance. And that was neat. And throughout the movie, we see it in the beginning and kind of throughout when we see the Red Death himself, which I love those shots where he's sitting under the tree mm -hmm. and everything is completely stylized. It's everything shot on sets. Everything is built and nothing is natural in the when movie. When did the Seventh Seal come out? Oh, yeah. That would have been earlier, like in the late, mid, late 50s, I think. All right. So it's a little dirty. No, yeah. it's definitely influenced mm -hmm. by that movie for there sure. There was a lot of really cool. I mean, uh, just because it was so. Uh, I, I don't know if the word theatrical has the theatrical implication I wanted to have. Just, you know, it was, uh, you know, like the sets and the, the way that mm -hmm. people were acting were just very sort of. Uh, uh, that that sort of Greek style of, of. Like a play. Yeah, but those Greek plays. Mm -hmm. So that. I don't know. I enjoyed it. I thought it really added a whole lot of oomph to it. Yeah, the the Seven Seal was out yeah, in uh, yeah. nineteen fifty. Yeah, which I mean, it's, it's there's a clear influence because mm -hmm. the way Death looks in that movie is and almost then, identical to and, how. Yeah, you're right. And then to uh, to see to finally see the big reveal at the end to finally see Vincent Price dressed as Red Death without a mask. And him just show, holding a really, like, stoic, you know, look on his face. Like, he looked great. That's mm -hmm. a great shot. And I'm pretty sure it's a different actor. I remember looking it up who plays the Red Death. But it's for a, a long man. time, I, I just sort of thought it was uh, Christopher Lee. Because he... He's so awesome. He just, like, his voice and the way he acts, he just feels like Christopher yeah. Lee. But it's not him. It's some. It's a different guy. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone famous that you know. But uh, it's a different actor. But yeah, I was always sort of under the misapprehension that that was who that was. But um, also, just as a quick random side thing, the father. There's like the peasant girl and her boyfriend, or mm -hmm. like soon to be husband, and her, his father, um, who's the older guy who plays Hercules in the very popular Jason and the Argonauts where that, you know, that Oh, I did not know that. I believe it's, he plays, Her yeah, he, I just said that. He plays Hercules, basically, in that. But he was kind of a 60s actor as well. I recognized him. But, um, and that was a cool storyline too. I kind of, I liked the scene where uh, Prospero, you know, has to just be completely evil and he poisons one of the blade. There's five knives and one's poison and he makes them cut themselves with the knives <laughs> to see who will die and right and then uh although i have to uh the whole side story with the the jester and the and the and the tiny dancer mm -hmm. um so he gets the guy who smacked her across the face to dress up like uh like a gorilla an ape, yeah, an ape. yeah an ape, a great ape and uh 
and then ties him to what do you call that? Like, chandelier. A chandelier, and then fucking sets him on fire. <laughs> Holy shit! I mean, <laughs> nobody mm-hmm. does anything, but I guess they can't because he's suspended from a chandelier. And it's great. Yeah, that was that was really like douse him in alcohol. And that too. was great too because uh, that was a satisfying end to an asshole. Well, and I love because it was it. Yeah, well. I was like, they should all be happy about this, all the party guests. Mm-hmm. And there is a part where they start freaking out and screaming. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's a little slightly out of character. I'm like, <laughs> I think they should actually be kind of happy about this. But then when Prospero says, you know, like, great entertainment, like, give him, like, a bonus. I was like, okay, good. Because really, like, mm-hmm. it's it, that scene is pretty genius and cool because... Like, this movie, as you said, T, is pretty straightforward, and it's kind of, there's not, like, a whole lot of nuance to it, kind of, there is stuff to it, but it's pretty straightforward, but this scene is actually really cool, because uh, you have all this power, where Prince Prospero has the most power, and then, like, the gray-haired guys may be, like, the Mm -hmm. next most powerful, and then everyone else is just kind of wealthy, and they have to kiss ass, basically. Kiss the ring. And, but you have the jester character who, as you guys probably know in in old stories, jesters always have like sort of more power than they appear to. They're allowed to say and do things. Right, they get a lot of leeway. Mm-hmm, yeah. That a normal person doesn't get. And so this guy was basically able to murder the second highest level person in the castle and get away with it because he basically arranged it just strictly as like a form of entertainment just to keep everybody happy and doing his jester thing by setting them on fire. And he got rewarded for it. And so he got his revenge and got rewarded. Smart dude. Smart dude. Which is pretty, like, that was Mm -hmm. one of those things that was really like, oh, like, this movie kind of went a little deeper than just the straightforward stuff. I was pretty annoyed by Francesca at every fucking turn. I'm the, like, we get it. You're goody two shoes. In the back. Oh man. I love, I laughed out loud uh, at the scene where they throw her in the bathtub. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, the way it's edited where she's like vertical <laughs> and just like flies into the tub and splashes is so funny. Like they bodily threw her into the tub. Oh, that was good stuff. Oh, and then we uh, we were talking earlier about the wives, uh, the, mm. the spurned wives' descent into, I guess, um, Satanism. Satanism, right? So she's she's she still loves Prospero. So mm-hmm. she still her fantasy is that if she gives her soul to Satan. They'll get to live as man and wife, and mm. then later when they both die, he'll be Satan somehow. Like she didn't really think this one through, but <laughs> but then she brands herself with an upside down cross, which is pretty bitching. Metal, pretty metal, and uh, and then of course we talked about her weird uh, dream where all these different men come and stab her, which. Is that supposed to be somehow, like, orgy-esque? It felt like it was meant to be sexual, like but they their, didn't, but they couldn't, 1964, they mm-hmm. couldn't totally go there. But, I mean, they make 
a lot of statements and implications about like orgies. I think they maybe use the word orgy in the movie once. I'm not sure, but they imply because you know, of course, being Satanists, they're basically getting up to and everything. that they're very wealthy. They just do what they want. Yeah, and so yeah, that felt like mm-hmm. sexual. Or sexual. Mm-hmm. And just and then like, she gets killed by a raven. <laughs> oh no, no, by the falcon, right? What? Oh yeah, how does it kill her again? So he just goes at her. So he uh, yeah, earlier in the movie, Prospero has a falcon that he he talks about how they sew their eyes shut. Yeah, yeah so to that they to break their spirit. <clears throat> And uh, and the falcon just sort of just although there's a raven in there as well. There's at some point somebody walks into the black room and there's just a straight up raven in there, which is probably a Poe reference. That's right. There's also a pendulum. There's yeah. a, the, the pit and the pendulum. They're reference. like, listen, guys, we have it. Let's just use it. <laughs> well, and that was one of the other big Roger Corman because <laughs> he you know made a lot of movies, but. They really hit big with the Edgar Allan Poe movies. Those were all big hits. And so uh, that kind of became his thing a little bit. All the... Wow. Yeah, he had like eight different adaptations. Yeah. And he was probably the Poe's main Poe guy. Timey goths. Mm-hmm. But um, so, yeah, no, that scene, her dream scene is... For one thing, they literally... I don't know if they say, but they strongly allude to the fact that she takes psychedelics before she has that dream. Oh, yeah. Because it's part of the ritual, and she makes, like, a thing that she, she drinks takes or yeah, eats potion, yeah. before doing that. So, definite reference to psychedelics, which were, of course, in 1964, Acid, The Beatles, and that whole thing was, was, happening. was happening. And so they definitely put psychedelic-specific acid psychedelic oh, yeah, stuff sure. into those movies. So yeah, then so she gets attacked and then and then uh Prospero says something like, Oh, uh everybody oh oh yeah yeah, this is the great part. So one of his guests arrives and, and sees her dead and it's a woman and she screams in terror but for only like a minute for like a little bit and then she's just like what? <laughs> and then it's like, oh okay I'm over it. It's cool. Which is actually in character. You know you're surprised but then she's like, oh but do I care? Yeah. We don't it's that better you than me mentality which is a cornerstone of this entire movie because you know the whole time the villagers mm-hmm. are trying to seek refuge you know and in this stronghold basically and you know there's always like the uh the entertainment value uh for prospero when they eventually get there and there's only you know a handful of survivors from the red death from the village and you know you see the one guard be like oh you don't go get prospero he will find this entertaining but like I, I think the the scene in particular that made me laugh the most is when you had the villager and his wife. Uh, but little did like the husband know that yeah. uh, Prospero Prospero had already slept with yeah. the guy's wife, and he was like trying to yeah, offer her in exchange for <laughs> you know refuge they, in here. When he, Prospero says that he's already slept with her, they cut to a shot of them, and she's like, <laughs> yeah. she like makes a face at him. She's like, oh she's no. Like, <laughs> Like, what do you want? <laughs> Although, did you guys, like, get very <laughs> underwhelmed by the crossbows? The crossbow guns? Yeah. <laughs> they go... And, yeah. then they, and then they cut over to somebody going... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, that was definitely, like, a cheap prop. They could have amped up the sound. But it was funny, though. It is 
how he, he would just stand up there and shoot them with arrows. And he and, did that more than once? Yeah, to the peasants <laughs> and to the rich They went back to the well twice. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I guess he just didn't want to let the rich people in because he, he was worried they might be infected or something. But. Yeah, or maybe, I don't know, something like that where they didn't, mm-hmm. uh, I think they just didn't arrive on time and he was like, you're late, you're out, right? So he said something about not following the rules or something, mm-hmm. right? So, but yeah, I mean, like the whole allegory of the movie is that even with all your wealth, you can't outrun death. Yeah, that's, of course, the main. Uh, but And then we, we come to that, well... Yeah, we sort of come to that in all the other movies as well, right? It's like that's the the point. Even the other, you mean the other ones in this in uh, this particular phobia? Yeah, I mean, are am I making sense. that up? Mm-hmm. Well, in a sense, I <laughs> in mean, a very I was, loose sense. The, well, the, I was thinking of uh, the um, you know uh, American Psycho. Which yeah, that's what I was. Is thinking. a little like, bit maybe not actually. You didn't die. On that one is a little different, but in society, no, nobody really dies. No, I'll take that back. I think I was wrong about that one. <laughs> there are some different messages with the different movies. Like, uh, society was just sort of... The message really felt like with society that it was just sort of like, rich people are fucked up, is the message, basically. And then with American Psycho, the message is that uh, so long as you fit in, you can get away with murder. Yeah, as long as you're wealthy and in a good position of power, you can basically get away. <laughs> murder and this one is you might be super wealthy but you can't outrun death yeah you can't uh, which you know like and similar with snowpiercer i guess and with snowpiercer what was that that was like um the uh, no matter how much money or influence you have like i guess the uh the the the, the, the masses can can fight back at some point totally yeah that was like the strength wealthy numbers. people kind yeah. of controlling that was also i was thinking about how uh the because uh, I was you know there's been like the Mad Max movies and I was watching Beyond Thunderdome and um, Beyond Thunderdome kind of covers that same idea where it's like with Snowpiercer where it's like um, pe- it's like you're in this post-apocalyptic situation where basically everything is completely broken down but you have people who are just immediately trying to reestablish the same old order hierarchies of like I'm on top and everyone else is below me Uh, they do that in Beyond Thunderdome you know where uh, Tina Turner is kind of recreating (laughs) uh, society Mm -hmm. but she's on top and it's a battle for power and Snowpiercer is kind of like that Lord of Lies but this yeah but this one is definitely a bit different in that way where it has a dark overall message where Mm -hmm. it's just like your wealth can't save you or protect you if uh if this kind of thing is happening and i was reading that um when edgar Allan poe wrote this it was during i think it was tuberculosis and his wife had just died of tuberculosis which is what the red death is supposed to sort of mimic Mm -hmm. and so he was kind of making that point of just like when you have a pandemic, as we've just lived through, like, it kind of doesn't matter how wealthy you are or, you know, how poor you are, everyone is going to be affected no matter what. That's true. And that's something that, yeah, like you were saying, we saw, like, we saw a lot of, like, rich people trying to fly places so they can get first dibs on on vaccines. Didn't, like, a, a rich couple from, I think, New York or somewhere around those parts uh, fly to a, a, a village in Canada where they were they were 
giving vaccines to uh, Inuit people. Oh, God. Yeah, right. and they pretended they were, like, you know, researchers or something. Like, it was really, really fucked up. But, you know, mm. it's just... And no one... And, of course, Poe was... He was, like, a kind of a depressed guy in general. Yeah. And his stories are really <laughs> depressing. And so... I mean, you, this literally, like, the message is, like, we're all going to die. We're doomed. No matter what you do, <laughs> we're all going to die. <laughs> Good old Poe. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's, but, uh, I get it. <laughs> Usain Poe, we're all going to die. We're doomed. <laughs> he was slightly depressed. <laughs> he had the blues. But yeah, so I don't know. Let's see. We're jumping around a little bit. We're jumping what around a little wanna... bit. Um, I'm trying to think about oh, where we end up. So, and uh, another little thing to kind of bring up that just reminded me of is, uh, you know, you have kind of the story of the peasant girl um, who Prospero is bringing in, obviously, because he wants her to to be his new wife. Sure. And then you see... He never, like, lays a hand on her, though, which was... No, I know, which is kind of interesting. I think he's, like, saving her. Well, I think he was saving her for... Well, to to be fair, to be fair, she is 17. But he did... Well, he kind of... They made a post (laughs) saying how he kind of liked corrupting people. He he wanted to kind of corrupt her slowly. Right. So then maybe he was, like, Mm -hmm. sort of biding his time, so appreciating... Enjoying, enjoying the himself. enjoying himself, and then also at the end, it also sounds kind of like he's saving her for Satan. But also, mm-hmm. well, it's also just like seeing like how long it would take in order for her to like abandon her faith mm-hmm. because it makes such a big deal. And about yeah, and the, yeah, that's the interesting thing is he almost sort of just says like I'm going to make you a member of the court and make you a sort of member of the in crowd and we'll see like what happens with you you know we'll see how you act and how what what you do and you, but you can also see like when he, he, she's brought in how his current wife is really jealous and she can tell mm-hmm. that she's kind of on the way out maybe right. and i think that's a big part of why she's wants to go through that whole satanic ritual and and sort of level up as it were, um, with her deal with Satan, because she then she'll she's like, well, then I'll be more powerful, right? Oh, like, uh, and she even thought about being more powerful than him. Yeah, and she even says like she was like, maybe I can become more powerful than Prosper. Good luck. Which, and I, I actually liked. I thought that was kind of cool. I liked how she kind of had her own little storyline where she was like doing too. her own satanic stuff aside from Prosper. Yeah, doing it on her own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and branded herself. I did a. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I thought that it looked really fun when he made all of his uh, guests act like animals. Oh, and yeah. at first they were like, "I don't know, man." And then later they're like, "Hey, man, we're all gonna have to do a minus full and like get into it." Mm-hmm. And then like they all had to. And I was like, "Man, that's one hell of a party." <laughs> and also, that reminds me, they they cast men and women to in those roles who all look like assholes. Yeah, I kind of noticed that. I was like, mm, I don't the like women, the, men, the men all look like jerks. None of them look like nice people. It's funny. Like, even some of those women, like, there's a lot of, like, 
Blightly women glaring, yeah. sort of glaring at people and looking like all kind of angry and pissed off. Yeah, with their makeup like really roughly <laughs> on. <so>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I thought that was like. And it was kind of funny, too, because a lot of those background characters, maybe all of them, I don't think ever have any lines either. They kind of all just sort of... Sure, they're just kind of laughing. and mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they dance and they laugh. But I felt like maybe that animal scene, too, was sort of meant to be an allusion to an orgy as well and meant to be sort of kind of sexual for 1964, you know? I believe it. What do you think, T? I mean, uh, every time, you know, you see more people, you know, showing up, you know, the only thing I'm thinking is, you know, hey, hey I'm here for the game, mate. But, you know, no. 100%. <laughs> but yeah, 100%. Is there's, there's, there's no way it's you're going to round that many orgy. people up, you know. Like, it's, not I, it's a furry, basically. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's interesting, you know, you have all these guests. And you must have the corresponding amount of, like, servants. So there was a fair amount of, like, not rich people there as well that weren't, in, you know, on, see, on you camera. You don't see any yeah. servants, do you? I mean, you see one or two, you know, maybe, like, the entertainers that we saw earlier. Mm-hmm. And you see the guards. Yeah, And then there's the prisoners. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you have prisoners? Just let them out into the Red Death Land. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, wait, because he's torturing them. That's right. The, and he makes them fight for his pleasure. He was, yeah, but they refused to fight. They refused. And then, of course, so, yeah, so the blood part, which we kind of talked about earlier, mm-hmm. the effect of the Red Death is that it makes you bleed out your pores, out of all your pores. <laughs> and so you're basically completely covered mm-hmm. in blood and completely red when you're affected by it. Which they do, did in the movie. And that was kind of, that was pretty hardcore. Because, like, you might have a little, in some of the Hammer movies, I don't there's a little bit of blood splatter here and there, like mm-hmm. in the Dracula movies. But this was full-on people covered in blood. Yeah, and like you were saying before, when the wife is killed by the falcon, mm-hmm. she's also bloodied up pretty bad, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, yeah. And we get that kind of interpretive dance scene at the end, which is very kind of fun. felt very 1960s and kind of beatnik, kind of you know what I mean? Like, like interpretive Aquarius. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Age of Aquarius. Age of Aquarius. <laughs> like, kind of thing going on there where everybody starts bleeding out and dying. That's fun. They didn't, I mean, those guys seem to be, like, they died a little bit more gently than other people, so maybe mm. that part... It didn't seem so bad. I mean, yeah, they kind of showed it as being like a horrible death, but they all kind of did that. Yeah, you just get a little that. red, and then you do a little dance, and then you lay down and die. I mean, I can think of worse ways of going, like getting shot in the neck with a really tiny arrow. <laughs> I know, definitely. <laughs> or being thrown a knife and told to do the deed. That was the other one. I'm like, oh, that's rough. <laughs> Although I liked, uh, it was totally... Perfect uh, with the cutting where they had to cut themselves with the poison knives. Um, where they didn't, they went through the first four knives and nobody died. So obviously, the last knife was the poison one. So it was perfect because it's like that guy, of course, has to try to kill mm-hmm. 
Prospero with the knife because he's going to die. If he anyway, cuts himself, yeah. he's going to die. So he might literally shot, might yeah. as well try to kill Prospero. Is completely logical, perfect thing to do. And he does, but he you know doesn't make it, of course. He fails. It's too bad, too. We could have gone a different way. But <laughs> So in terms of who lives, the... the uh, the no, girl, five, the guy, right? well, it's like, so it's like, like five Francesca, or six survivors her boyfriend, from this tiny dancer, her boyfriend, in the village. and then something about did a small the, child. And I the, guy, the jester guy lives too? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> it's kind of funny that he gets, they get a happy ending because mm-hmm. he's kind of evil, even though he was what? doing a positive I guess maybe, well, I mean... It was vengeance. Um, and al- although, she got smacked and so he torched a guy. Yeah. It seems like a little bit of an overreaction. <laughs> Overreaction. Although maybe that was the only way he could get away. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he was also, like, the dresser was also one of the few people, uh, you know, in the castle mm-hmm. who was willing to actually That's go right. outside. To find refuge outside and not just be contained within the walls. And yeah, I mean, he got rewarded. There was like what five gold basically for for killing a second in command. You know, not. But I guess not yeah, a I bad guess he gig. gets a happy ending because even though he was the jester for the satanic prince and probably took part in a lot of bad things, like it's like ah, eh, whatever. He lives. <laughs> We've all decided he's cool. So he's fine. We, I mean, we definitely want the tiny dancer to live. I know she didn't do shit. She was, she's clearly not a child. evil and just like <laughs> and was made to dance for them. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we want the and we obviously want the two other two to live because they're okay. They're good and they're everything. But sorta. I know she was a little <laughs> bit annoying, a little bit judgy, a little bit judgy. <laughs> Lighten up, Francesca. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the the and then the seats. Yeah, and we get to the and the rooms are really good. The color rooms, different colored rooms. Yeah, I think. I mean, we said it was kind of a straightforward story. I mean, it's not your typical hour and a half show that we usually do, but yeah, and it's reading. I, I sort of skimmed the story again just to you know and looked at it, and it was like, oh, okay, they, they definitely had to come up with a lot of stuff yeah to fill it out because it's definitely not a a literal story with a character from point you know plot a to b kind of thing it's the original story is mostly just kind of a description of you know there was a castle and there was these people in the castle and everybody died the end the end (laughs) but uh oh were you gonna say something to Yeah, I mean, we forgot to mention the part where, uh, you know, this was after, like, Francesca's lover was kicked out and, like, exiled. There was a part where she was, like, begging Prospero to, like, let him in. And, you know, if he would do that, she would basically, like, do whatever he wanted. And then, you know, Vincent Price gave her that look of, like, shit, shit, that's all it took. (laughs) And that part made me laugh so hard. It's like, well, if I would have known that, he just would have started with that. But yeah, all in all, very good movie, very <laughs> enjoyable. But to your point, I mean, it's a little on the slow side. I remember mm-hmm. trying to watch, I tried watching it like months ago, like only like two or three months ago, and I only got as far as like the mm-hmm. village. 
And then I was like, ugh, this is going too slow. Wait, <laughs> it definitely starts out slow, but it feels like it picks up about it halfway really does. in. Once you get to the castle, then you're really, mm-hmm. uh, you start getting, stimu- you know, that visual stimuli of mm-hmm. the really fantastic uh, castle interior. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot of fun. And you know it's, you know, not as big as it looks. You know it's fake, but mm-hmm. it's still so cool looking, you know. And this was a British co-production. They filmed Ooh. it in England. And so that's part of the reason you get the better sets and things. Because they kind of have more of that stuff. And the Roger Corman's American studios are a little bit on the cheaper side. So it looked better than... You mentioned that when we watched uh, The Man Who Could Cheat Death, too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. But the, well, the higher quality of, like, British productions. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they have all that stuff. It's, you know... It's there, like, yeah, their theater culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we also had, uh, you know, towards the end, we also saw, like, the other road figures as well, which kind of also mirrored into, you know, the cycle of uh, life and death, tied into the colors of, you know, white, yellow, blue, uh, and black, among others, which I thought was pretty cool. So, you know, obviously they were all coming from, uh, you know, different parts of the world, and, you know, Red Death has uh, been rampant everywhere. So, you know, they were kind of, like, keeping logs of, okay, like, okay, what's the damage... You know, how many survivors do you have? Uh, so I thought that was pretty neat. Just seeing them all kind of like converge and they, we got a really good indicator of, you know, yeah, just that how was far things were really I was, spread at that point. I had to sort of think about the ending a little bit because at first, so I thought, so I was sort of thinking as it was going that the red death character was sort of just death himself and that he was like the Grim Reaper. But then... These At the end, we see the other ones, the other... Yeah. And I thought, oh, okay, like, are they... I, I wasn't totally sure sort of, like, <laughs> what, who they were, what they were, and then I thought, like, maybe are they, like, like, he's the Red Death, like, that disease, but I wonder if maybe the other color death characters were like other diseases or other methods of dying or something. That's strange because I mean we were talking earlier about like uh, in another the, the, synopsis, the synopsis that I found about the story noting how the different colors were supposed to be the different stages of uh, basically the, a life cycle. Life, yeah. So then that would indicate that those guys are mimicking that but then they started talking about the different people that they killed and well, they, the yellow, it got a little confusing. Yeah and, and the yellow character says he says something like, I caused, like, so, some certain amount of number of people to sleep. Yeah. And he says sleep tonight. Mm. And then, like, the red guy says, you know, like, I, like, took or something. He used a different term. That's uh, interesting. And so that maybe was, they are different diseases. May or something, yeah. Because I that was something I wanted to look up, too, in the story was, are there the multiple characters at the end? Or maybe different ways of dying. Than right, yeah. yeah. Right, right. Just different ways of dying. Interesting. But in, in the story, it's just the Red Death uh, character. There aren't the other yeah. characters. That's added in it, for the movie. Didn't you say you watched the special release with, like, doc- or commentary and shit? <laughs> I tried. So, I, there's a new... I, you guys probably saw the restored version on streaming. I imagine they're probably streaming mm-hmm. the same one, but they've done a big restoration of it and made it look a lot better. Oh. And they put a commentary track on it, which I tried 
watching, but I turned off after the first 10 or 15 minutes because, so I love commentary tracks, <laughs> but uh, with some of these older movies, they'll have like a film historian or like a professor coming so in the commentary because there's no, you know, like there's, they can't get anybody associated with the movie to do it because <laughs> they're probably all dead or like a hundred years old. Probably. Um, so they have these two like old British, like film historians mm-hmm. on the commentary. And it was hilarious because you could tell they hadn't met each other before. They were just <laughs> meeting each other for this commentary. No chemistry. No, they had, they were totally hit it off and they were just like oh, shooting. Nice. The, they were just like shooting the shit for the first 15 minutes. They weren't even talking about the movie. That's literally what we did today. What we do in our recordings. 14 totally. minutes of shit. And I was just like, you know, I like commentaries, but this is useless. I'm not learning anything. About you didn't the stick movie. with it? Did you try like later, like if they were talking about more? I didn't try that. I'll probably I'll check it out again later. But I figured out I'm just gonna watch it with the original right. sound for the I was really excited when you said you had like, you know, a special release one and I was like <gasps> There wasn't <laughs> Yeah, it turns it turns out like John like put it like, on it like an hour and like fifteen though. minutes in and it was so it was clear. like them like reminiscing about watching <laughs> horror movies as kids and stuff like that. That's literally what we do in this <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, long story short, you know, <laughs> no, no, a commentary track for a movie, they should at least sort of <laughs> talk about the movie or be a little more on point with the True, like, I guess. Which I've seen, there's other movies like this that I've seen where they do this and it, and the you know it, they where they're more on the more but on it, it, and it might have gotten more on topic later but yeah I was just like no I, I would hope so can you imagine you have a commentary track that has nothing to do with the movie <laughs> there's a few I'm sure if you, I don't know if you guys listen to many commentary tracks but I've seen a, I've heard a few commentary tracks where. Almost like the entire commentary track is just them kind of the people are just kind of shooting the shit and not really talking about the movie. Yeah, so so to sum the commentary track up for this one, they're probably talking about how like uh yeah, everyone's here just, you know, for the orgy and they were going over their own personal experiences on that front. And uh you know, obviously obviously like when they're when the when the villagers are like trying to seek refuge, and you see like the card of all the dead, and yeah, the definitely. And and also, you know the only thing you're thinking of is you know, out their dead. Dead. Well, yeah. Why would you bring them with you? <laughs> death debts? Yeah, I was just gonna say that. It's like, why would you do that? It's like if you want to get let into the castle, <laughs> yeah, you brought them right out of the castle. Don't bring the infected dead bodies with you. I would just bring your in. like the last remaining goat or cow that you have left, and to try to barter with. Definitely. That's right. But they no, were... I, that's um, why they're outside. You know, they inside. were technically doing the right thing in, in terms of, uh, you know, as we did with COVID, where you have to stay home and stay in your... Isolate, what is that called? Stay uh, in your bubble. Yeah. like That was a very big bubble. <laughs> they were isolating. Maybe... Um, Maybe the whole idea of bringing out the dead was for them to like show visual proof, like, hey, yeah. we really are the I feel like you wouldn't have to say left. that, though, Here are right? all the corpses. I, never mind. Like, we've already decided that there's a big hole in the, in the reason. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he, he, he could be a visual learner. You never know. 
I, and not to, uh, I just have to sort of go there for a second too, but I definitely had moments uh, while watching the scene, the psychedelic scene where all the like different people are dancing in yeah. her dreams, where I was like, I don't think this is okay. Like, I, I don't think I'm supposed to, like, I don't think this is, like, appropriate now. <laughs> and then, like, it's like the guy. Oh, because they're all, like, in different dress? Yeah, well, because they're all, like, like, is this like, culturally appropriate? Yeah, like, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, I think this might be culturally insensitive of the building. <laughs> where it's just like, uh. Yeah. Like, I, but no, it. That thing is ultimately... It most certainly was, but it was 1964, so good luck. And it's pretty harmless, ultimately, though, but just jokingly, I was like... No, I I totally had that thought, too. I totally had that thought, too, where I was like, man, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know... Although, I gotta say, though, at least they kind of... It was actually kind of cool, though, where it was like each person in that scene was like a different from a different culture there was like the Egyptian one and then like the Aztec person and like the African priest kind of thing and it was like a different throughout history like but although they were implying that all these different people were say Satan worshippers yeah (laughs) oh geez I forgot about that implication but you know whatever yeah Uh, Vincent Price what are you gonna do and it is extremely metal to burn an upside down cross onto your boob. Damn right. And she had a she wore a bustier, so it was on full display uh, all the time too. She was nuts. Mm-hmm. The butt. Well, I mean, where exactly. where else are you to brand yourself Satan for? You know, Satan. The arm. <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean the breast the breast was the optimal was, spot because that's where all the attention of, is going. Uh, felt she sort of felt remorse later on i felt i felt like she must be lying i feel like she's lying to the peasant girl about feeling remorse for it but i don't know i guess maybe she did i don't know oh i kind of forgot about that part it felt like she was maybe tricking her at first but then she ended up getting eaten by the the raven killed by the the ravens and crows Mm -hmm. yeah the birds also uh so Prince Prospero could have his new girl. That he never had. But it's a good one for classics. Yeah. For, like, the classic movies that we've been going over, this is definitely one of the be- better ones, you yeah. know? Yeah, it was over, a lot of like, fun. Like, the man who could cheat death was, was kind of cool and fun, it, but, but it was, yeah. not as good as... The, this one was better than that, I think. And... uh you know, for classics. It's no, you like, know what? The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Creature from the Black Lagoon, maybe. I mean, roofing the Amazon was my favorite mm-hmm. thing of all time. I still tell people, like, when I, whenever there's a lull in the conversation, <laughs> like, did you ever watch The Creature on the Black Lagoon? They roofied the Amazon. <laughs> it's my go-to uh, icebreaker, too. Oh, man. That's like, I saw a thumbnail. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on YouTube and looking at like reviews or something, and someone had a thumbnail for uh, the Shape of Water. Uh-huh. That's what it's called, right? The yeah, the Guillermo yeah. Toro version, um, the Shape of Water. And the thumbnail said, mm-hmm. "This is not just a movie about having sex with a fish." <laughs> <laughs> 
I know, that's what I thought. Isn't it but though? I, I isn't feel like it? actually having sex with a fish. You know, there's so many jokes about it that I went back and I was like, because I, I think I watched it when I was like drunk or something. I'm like, is there really nothing? Do, just trying to make sure that they didn't show anything and they didn't. <laughs> oh, in, oh, they didn't in uh, Shape no, of Water? No, they didn't. They, no, just, uh, they buy it. Guys, so, so there is a scene where he's in the bathtub. And I think he touches her, and or she touches him, and like the contact is very orgasmic, mm-hmm. and she freaks out, and she runs away, and then she's uh, and while she's in the other room, she like thinks about it, and then she's like fuck, and then she goes back in there, and then you just kind of see her just robing and closing right, the door, and then, and, yeah. and then it's like, and then later on she explains to her friend how he has a penis because she can't talk, so she's got to be like. <laughs> <laughs> To this day, I remember that a lot. <laughs> Which, and I, I'm going to thank Octavia Steve, Spencer. <laughs> I'm going to thank Steve Irwin for teaching me that that's called the cloaca. <gasps> and I'm going to thank John for teaching me that's called the cloaca. That's alligators, <laughs> like crocodiles, they have that where there's no visible genitalia, yeah. but then there's like a thing that opens and it comes out. Yeah. You know, I never thought about where their dicks were. Damn. Exactly. And you know what? The humanoids from the day probably too. <laughs> yeah, they probably did too since they were. <laughs> <laughs> they did slice it up too much, so much to make mm-hmm. sure he was male. Was there no fucking dick? <laughs> Go nuts. <laughs> How come there was no full frontal on the creep humanoids from the deep? Uh, yeah, especially yeah. Considering how much they did, I'm surprised there wasn't. Mm. But yeah. Mask of the Red, the most blatant of it. it this it's good that this was the last in this uh, series because it's the most blatant. Like rich of, people are bad. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> evil, satanic, rich person who treats everyone like shit, even the people. See, I like, and that's a good lesson too of this movie. Also, is that and it's very timely mm-hmm. that. The guy, Prospero, who is at the top of the heap, treats everybody like shit. It doesn't matter if you're a fellow rich person. He's going to treat you mm-hmm. like crap just as much as he treats Because he's at the very top. Because he's at the tippy top, and he just, like, doesn't care about anybody except himself. Very, very, uh... You know, appropriate messy. ending for our, for our fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, of course, tomorrow is the start of a new month, uh, which means we'll be shifting gears and selecting a new phobia for uh, September. And it uh, looks like we went with dendrophobia, which is the fear of trees. Now, I know we had uh, we had thrown out a, a couple of titles already, of but horrors, man. Uh, anything Let's in particular it. you guys want to start with? Little shop of horse. <laughs> and- is it and I'm and almost thinking just to torture everyone, the happening. No. Just purely no. as <laughs> just to be, uh, I can't think of the term, uh, like, just to be like the troll or the, <laughs> the, troll the, throw the monkey wrench in the, in the whole thing. I think maybe the happening. Okay. The happening. Well, well, I know, I know the conjecture end will be. And did we say a day in the triffids? Right, there's also a day in the triffids. <laughs> triffids. 
maybe and, I Invasion mean, of the Body Snatchers, yeah. Alien Plants. I feel like there's more that we're not thinking of right now. Definitely. Oh. Are yeah, you keeping it? I, I mean, I would even say what I'm picking up, but that'll be for a later date. Ah, interesting. For, for now. It's, uh, a, it's a recent movie, too. But yeah, there's definitely, which is kind of interesting that uh, plants, you know, something that's, I mean, there can be poisonous plants and plants that yeah. do bad things. And plants that eat animals, like flies True, and shit. yeah, Venus mm-hmm. flytrap mm-hmm. that eat meat. That's nuts. But it is interesting that plants can be kind of a source of horror since they're kind of generally harmless and people like plants. I don't see how they can grow out of our, you know, out of us. You know what I mean? Like, they, they'll eat us. Well, you Ooh. know, use us for compost. And I, don't want to give, I don't want to give away T's possible choice, but that just reminded me that there's also that movie from, like, the early 2000s, late 90s, about the plants. They Those people who go to that... They go to like South America to the pyramids, and mm. there are like that, that. There's that crazy vine plant that grows, and it it kind of can grow into you and take you over and kill you. I don't remember. Is that it? Is that is it the ruins? Are you talking yeah, about uh, the ruins? It. It's like yeah, like South I, American I think pyramids with like killer plants. Maybe that sounds kind of fun. It could be possibly pretty cool. I haven't seen that in a long time. And I can't stop thinking about that um, that little story and the little story with Stephen King in it. <laughs> what, what what movie? Does he have a plant one? Creepshow. That's right. <laughs> oh that's yeah, in, yeah. That's that's in Creepshow, wasn't it? Samantha. There's also uh, a more obscure. Amicus anthology. Amicus made only anthology movies in the 70s and 60s. They were kind of a hammer spinoff British. They made the first uh, Tales from the Crypt anthology movie. But they have an anthology movie where plants also kill people. And that one is hilariously bad. It's just one of the short stories in the movie. But it's literally an artist finds a wooden stump that he wants to carve into a sculpture and the wooden stump like talks to him psychically and takes over his mind. That and sounds starts, amazing. And wants to kill his wife. Oh no. It's weird. <laughs> it's very weird. telling him to kill his wife. <laughs> and the, his wife's like, I want you to get rid of that stump. Cause he puts it right in the middle of the living room of the house. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if you can't come as a stump that you don't want to kill your wife. <laughs> You probably shouldn't be married. <laughs> so he, he already he already wanted to kill his wife. The stuff was just coincidence. Just put the extra on there. He was just getting him to do what he already For fuck's wanted. Sake. Just kill your wife. Stop talking to stumps. Killer plants. Killer plants. So yeah, I mean, like I know we threw out a bunch, but yeah, I, I'd like to do a little bit more research because that just fantastic. Kinda, that's just something that I kind of thought about before mm-hmm. we started recording. But I'm mm-hmm. sure there's something else out there that might be extra juicy. All right, cool. yeah, we'll uh, we'll start with Little Shop of Horrors <laughs> next week, and uh, you know we'll brain, brainstorm the on the other ones before we post yeah, our cool September lineup. Uh, but you know, mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Uh, so on that note, let's go ahead and wrap things up for tonight. Of course, the best way to keep in touch uh, with the podcast is to find all of our video content over on YouTube at Handle with Scare Pod. I can also find us on Twitter, uh, you know, promoting the episodes, all the watch parties, and things like that at Handle with Scare. And if you guys want to contact us via email, you can do so at Handle with Scare Pod at gmail.com. Uh, so just as a reminder, we do have the Halloween virtual convention, uh, which is being put on by Slash and Cast coming up at the end of October. That will be a three-day event. Uh, you know, so we got to figure out what exactly we'll be doing for the convention. But if you guys have any ideas, I mean, feel free to send them our way. Uh, but in the meantime, hope everyone has been uh, enjoying the watch parties on Stream Lounge. I hope you guys uh, tune into our start of our new phobia next week. But for now, that is it for us here tonight on Handle with Scare. I've been your host, Tony Drunk, joined by my co-hosts, Holly Hooch and John. And we will, of course, see you back next week. <laughs>